Harold. So <laughs> we'll start the music. Hey, everybody, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steven. This is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, mining, facing, bringing, reviewing, playing podcast. What is yes. up? Uh, well, this what's first, up is this first ad sent yeah, to us by... this first ad was sent by uh, Elijah Snyder. Yes. It is for, in air quotes, a Mosrite electric guitar, 1970s red for 385 on reverb. Uh, the description why on it. In, why do you put that in quotes? Uh, the description on this is worthless. I put it in here as a screen grab, but there's no actual information here. It's just like a copy paste about if you'd scratch or dent, ask ask the seller or something like that. Right. Um, it's a fairly rare tool, Ryan, that has a very small size, <laughs> lightweight, and simply stunning appearance. A real find, not only for the collector but also for the musician who loves vintage sound. The neck is not very wide, but the profile is made in such a way that the neck is in the hand as if it were cast. And the zero threshold gives the guitar a decent sustain. What's a z- Is that like, does he mean zero fret? Is it, there is a zero <sighs> fret on this. I don't think the author means anything by any of this word salad that he threw into the description. It's, it's not a description of this oh. guitar at all. This is being sold out of Russia, so I have a feeling they wrote this in Russian... Google translated it and then posted it. Ah, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, my, my issue with this is it is not a Moserite at all. Uh, it is a Tysco Del Rey. Uh, my big thing is I have never, ever seen a Tysco Del Rey. It might very well be a 1970s version of the guitar with a hardtail bridge on it. I honestly was like, oh, is this like an Eastwood version? They have the Ichiban, which is this body shape. But I couldn't find a version with a hardtail on it either, especially not with these pickups or this pit guard. And I've never in my life seen a Moserite badge like that. So I have no idea where they got that. Um, but yeah, this is kind of wild for $385. $200 shipping, though. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on it? I don't know anything about this guitar, and that's actually why I thought it would be interesting for the show because this was one where I was like, I don't know, like the the Moserite shape that I'm most familiar with. That really the only Moserite shape I'm familiar with is the is the classic Venture shape right. that I will always and forever get confused with the High Flyer. <laughs> well, um, the High Flyer's obviously trying to be the Moserite shape, but yeah, it's like they're it's like I just don't you know. I, that's an understandable mistake. Sure, sure. I, I'm not familiar with any other Moserite shapes. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you see a you so, see a double neck Moserite, and you don't immediately know that it's a Moserite. Um, aren't the double neck Moserites? Well, the double neck Moserites are just like they're a funky shape, a stretchy version of the standard Moserite Some shape. Some of them are, I guess. <laughs> well, the other ones, I wouldn't. I get like I don't know. I'm just saying like if someone said like draw a Moserite, I'm going to draw the Ventures one. I'm right, gonna, right, like, totally. Whereas yeah. if some if somebody said draw a Fender, it's like, well, do you want me to draw a Telecaster? Do you want me to draw? First of all, no one should be asking me to draw anything. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. I didn't ask you to draw anything, Steve. Don't no, don't put I know. this on me. I'm just saying like just don't do it. Um, that badge is a. That's the other thing I've never seen. Uh, that that sh- style of badge. Um, I've never seen anything of this. Right. I, I don't know anything about Oh, you've this. never even seen this body shape? I've seen this body oh, okay. shape. That's why I was like, was there, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, was there a time where Moserite was just making, you know, Tysco, K, whatever. Like, I didn't know specifically what this was, but I knew this was a gener- generic, you know, Japanese body shape thing going on. Right, right. Yeah, it's clearly a Tysco build to me. This is this is their Delray body. Um, it is. It has nothing to do with Moserite. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Moserite never ever, uh, you know, sent out builds 
and had their name put on other existing guitars like this. It's not right. it's not a uh, a Silvertone Dan Electro sort of 60 to, 60s department store sort of thing. Uh Simi Mosley, the guy behind Moserite, uh was very protective of his brand mm. and he he famously turned down offers for lots and lots of money of the day uh to sell out the brand. Uh and so he never did that. After he passed um, I think his daughter had uh, reproductions made in Japan in the 80s and the 90s. Um, but they, weren't, they were always like reproductions of Mosrite designs. They were never anything like this, you know? Right. I think Mosrite right. Japan still exists, so do you think, too. I think they still make them out of there Do you think all sometimes. of this is a fabrication? Like, do you think somebody just invented this? Is this like a, uh, not even a badge? Could this just be like a sticker and somebody just slapped it on there and said... Hey, I did a I, thing. I have no idea where that badge came from. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I almost wonder if it was maybe like a patch or a sticker or maybe something someone peeled off of a case. But even then, like, why would you peel it off a Moserite case and stick it onto this guitar? It makes no damn sense. Especially considering this thing looks really fun and really unique. If this was local for 385 I might offer 300 to pick it up, you yeah. know, just because I haven't seen a Tysco Del Rey with this loadout before. And it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. It honestly does. And if it is a 70s version, then it probably has better frets than or more modern frets than the 60s version. Um, Those pickups look really clean. They're like a they interesting kind of take on a toaster style. Yeah. Like, I, I really think this like would that be look. a really fun guitar. I'm just not, I'm just perplexed by the Moserite connection because that doesn't make any damn sense to me. But uh, I've always wanted the the Eastwood version, the Ichiban, because it has a uh, mm. you know an offset trim on it and stuff like that. And they did like a reverse Ichiban, oh. a, a, a reverse Del Rey shape for it, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I yeah. just saw one. I'm I'm going into the depths of. <laughs> Google image search. <laughs> I have no idea what a fair price would for this would be, but I already said if it was local and I could get it for three hundred, I'm I might be, you know, chasing that dragon. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the shipping around the world is is a killer for. Yeah, the shipping kills you. It, it seems like so. Uh, Henning Pauly is in the chat, and he said earlier, "What is wrong with that headstock?" Which is funny to me because. This is the same headstock that Schechter uses <laughs> on a couple of guitars. They, uh, they, I mean, they I wasn't lifted, even gonna. They lifted this design gonna... from Tysco for Schechter. Oh, f- for like the Schechter Ultras, right? Yeah, yeah. They use this shape. I wasn't even going to go Schechter under the bus. I was going to say that uh, Tysco needs to come back, which they kind of have, but they probably didn't bring all their patents with them. And they need to use this headstock shape to sue the shit out of Music Man. <laughs> For the four by music, three sort of setup. Music Man has tried Music Man has tried to claim in the past that basically they own the four by two headstock. That that is yeah. a trademark of their their uh branding. And that like yeah. think basically if, if anyone if anyone at least tries to put out like a high end guitar with a four by two, they're like Mm, mm. And then up. they just look at then they just look at whatever the hell um uh Nutter's doing and steal that instead. Yeah. What did you say the model was? The Schechter Omen? The Schechter Ultra. Ultra. Yeah, it was the uh the cure. Well, the, like that was the one that was like the cure. No, but they had Oh no, it's not the Ultra. What's not I thought it was the Ultra. It's not the Ultra. For some reason, I think it is the Omen. No, it's not. Schecter. Just show me Schecter guitars. No, it is the Ultra. It's like the older version of the Ultra. And then later the... Like, there's versions of the Ultra with a 3x3. And there's versions of an Ultra with a reverse. So it's a 2x4. It's not a 4x2. A two. Yeah, they reverse it. Yeah, I can't find the one that I'm looking for, but it doesn't matter. You guys can do your research and look it up. Uh, but they yeah, just, they had a just bo- Google Checker Ultra; it'll come up. They had a body shape that is also a Tysco shape. Uh, where is it? The Checker Ultras? 
No, the, I guess the I can kind of sinister. Oh, the sinister is kind of yeah. a Tysco shade. Man, they have so many models. I wish I could show yeah. them on the screen easily, but I don't feel like doing the work right now. But I know it's too late. Too many of them. <laughs> so, anything else you got to say about this? No, I like. I that. say if it's like, I think this guitar is really interesting, and I wish we could figure out more about it. Like, I want to know about this pick card. Like, it looks original. Yeah, I, I, it looks like a very old style uh, tiger. Yeah shell thing i love the tiger striped uh big open cell uh tortoise guards from the past there's there's brands that have tried to redo them but they do it as like a photo finish it's like i don't think this if this is a vintage one i don't think it's a photo finish i think it's celluloid but i could be wrong maybe the vintage ones are photo too but like a like a the newer versions of supros have a photo one and you can see the printing Mm. dots on it and stuff and it's a turn off when you get close to it that's All how right. you know they're good. What's new, man? You gotta have those dots. How are you doing? Um, I don't have anything new this week, man. I, I was, I mean, I guess I'm doing more remote recording. We're actually doing an outdoor service on Sunday, mm. um, which I'm like kind of mixed on that because it's an it's an outdoor evening service. So our call time is two forty five. Oh, just like, I don't want to be. Out in the sun, I mean, outdoors, yeah, in the hottest part of the day, right? Yeah, and it's also like I get it because it's like the first time, um, it's the first time that we're we're trying this outdoor thing, so they probably need a little more time and whatever. Um, but I'm kind of like, well, obviously, I worked on these songs this week because I sent the the bass tracks in and um and also our service starts at five so it's like it's not going to take two hours to prep three songs oh the service starts at five oh man that's my that's my thing during all this like all like I've been invited to go do church services a couple times and, and I I went and did one of them. Man, it is hours of prep to play two songs. And usually it's hours of prep to play five or six, which somehow seems more worth it, but then you're playing five or six across for me anyways, I'm playing across two services. So it's more fun for me to play more. But man, it's just too much prep work to deliver some live music for Right, I don't a even screen, think of it as, you know. I don't even think of it. So the, the, uh, um, the prep is interesting. Um, this week because I did bass, I just plugged in directly into my interface. I didn't even, I didn't run anything else. Uh, and actually Mm. I realized that my interface does have some like built in compression and, and reverb features. So I, I tweaked those a little. Um, it's got a, uh, it's got like a bass setup. Um, but yeah, it's this outdoor, it's this outdoor thing and we're doing four songs and I'm just like, I, I get that we need to test the setup, I guess, but I'm just, I'm really expecting to like be done at four o'clock and be like, all right, uh, I guess, uh, I hope somebody's going to open the building so we can at least sit inside for the hour that we're not doing anything. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not supposed to be that hot tomorrow. It's only supposed to be like mid seventies at three o'clock uh it's, it's not like even about earlier it's not the, the, earlier like a week ago it was like 80 90 degrees on on sunday when you're playing outside it's not even about the air temperature it's about the fact that the sun is hitting you and yeah. so it's like it doesn't matter yeah. if it's 70 the sun is still hitting you and your skin you're just standing there and you can't walk away from it you can't seek shelter because you're on stage and it just starts to cut through you you know yeah they need hopefully they have some uh some sort of shade pop-up gazebos yeah yeah uh so my new thing is a is a tease for monday hopefully i can get it up um i'm gonna do a video that's what she said finally of uh of the zoom multi-stomp i've had this around forever and i bought it intending to do a video with it exploring it and i finally got around to just sitting down and filming it the other day and uh is it is it who I'm I'm ready to call this thing the king of the affordaboards. 
uh, because oh, it's, yeah? it's a standalone affordable board. A bunch of digital <laughs> effects. You can load five effects in here at the same time. Like so, you can you can stack delays, you, know, you can stack drives, you can stack reverbs and tremolos and stuff like that. It has all sorts of really wacky out there effects that you can't find anywhere else. Like there's some weird stuff in there. You're gonna bump. Uh, you're gonna bump your helix off your board for this thing. <laughs> or you're gonna bump your iridium off your board. The for HX this thing? stomp. No. Uh, no. The the amp sims on it are garbage. A lot of the drives. <laughs> a lot of the drives are hilariously like bad if you want a digital fuzz it's a great place to go for a digital fuzz um but man if you want an envelope filter if you want a particle reverb if you want like a fake uh talk box sort of sound it's in there uh so I i'm looking forward to getting that demo edited and published hopefully i can get it up monday that's what she said <laughs> uh what's next sponsor Sponsor, man. This week's episode is brought to you guys by uh, Chase Plus Audio. Yep. Uh, they make pedals more creative than you are. Uh, you, did you, that video published this week, Yeah, right? uh, yesterday, I think, or the day before. Yeah. Look at this. I hooked it up to power today. Ooh, Those little sliders. Fancy. Or haunted. It's a haunted pedal. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. It is inhabited by a spook or a specter, a poltergeist. A spoop? A spoop. Is this a, is this a spoopy this pedal? This is a spoopy pedal. But look at that. It moves, guys. This pedal moves, it, and it will move you. This is the Chase is Bliss Audio Automatone Preamp MK2, uh, a collaboration in between Chase Bliss Audio and Benson Amplifiers for, let's, you know, it's a preamp. Yeah. Yeah. It's also yeah. a light overdrive. Kick your, finally, kick your Klon Centaur off your, off your board. Uh this is cheaper than a Klon Centaur. It's cheaper. Yeah, you could buy three of these things. And it does more stuff. Yeah. Uh, it is a roaring mid to heavy gain overdrive to the point mm -hmm. where it becomes a distortion. Then it's a fuzz, like a pretty normal fuzz. And then it's another fuzz. It is a ridiculous, <laughs> like, gated, over-the-top, 60s, splatty, nasty, not safe at all fuzz. Um, and yeah. it's a wah pedal. <laughs> I, re I remember, you know, I have to take some time to actually like watch your watch your video. But I remember playing around with this in Nam, and going like, "Oh, preamp, like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Drive, okay, like, going, okay, you know, kind of, okay, that's cool. And like, I think I could get something really going here uh, if I, you know, spent some time and like really figured out. And then going to the fuzz and be like, I'm done. Yeah, like, holy hell, every here's fu fuzz. every fuzz setting, every fuzz setting is good. <laughs> And you can get just completely bonkers with it, like completely destroy your tone uh, or get very subtle and very soft and tweaky, uh, you know, in clonish territory. You throw it on the germanium and you just yeah. do a very light amount of a drive and kind of like a, a low and mid boost to it. And it does that thing. I really I want to track down uh, a centaur, like borrow one maybe and do a comparison because I think it might. I mean, it might be a really fun video. And I do know some you people. Know people who own them. Yeah, you just got to get a loan. I'll just get a loan of a centaur. Guys, send me yeah. your centaurs. I promise I won't disappear with them. Just send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if you if you uh, connected it to you know like a MIDI sequencer or something like that, you could turn it into a tremolo because you could just make the volume go up and down. <laughs> but yeah, I I connected the expression pedal to it. I didn't even do a MIDI stuff. But you rack the frequency of the mid up and down while the while the mid knob is up, and it's totally a wah. It's a really, it's a really <laughs> fun wah pedal. I mean, it's a, a really just involved like <laughs> like expensive wah pedal. But yeah, it is a wah pedal as well. So huge thanks to Chaseless Audio for sponsoring the podcast yet again. Um, they've been supporting us for a really long time now. Yeah. Um, there are our only sponsor at the moment. Uh, if you're a brand that wants to put some money behind the show uh, so that we can continue to operating, continue to keep operating and, uh, you know, continue to keep enjoying making this program <laughs> because it puts a little money in our pocket. Hit us up. But yeah, thanks Chase Bliss. Cool. Um, so we're going to hit this first topic. Uh, this is a topic that was sweeping all the forums this week. It's going crazy. People can't stop talking about this topic. They can't. 
I feel like we're actually a little late to it. This is the uh, Sean Mendez Foundation Music Master. It is a what would you call this finish? Is that one of the Mendez brothers that I've heard about in the past? The Menendez brothers? Yeah, is that one of those guys? I don't. I'm surprised uh, he has a foundation. Um, it is not one of the Menendez brothers. I think they killed their parents. I'm pretty sure they did. Is that what they did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they killed their parents. Uh. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, who is this guy? And why does he have such a cool looking fender? <laughs> uh, Sean. So, okay, so it's funny. I don't um, know anything about him or this or or the foundation or anything. Like, I've seen this pop up so everywhere. First of all, so first of all, he's Canadian. Oh, great. So he's, he's a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's that all about? Uh, he's 22, so he's very young. Relatively speaking, um, he, um, what else would I say? He, at least my first, uh, experience with him was back when I had cable cause he would pop up on the Disney channel when, when my daughter was watching it. Cause so he was kind of like, oh, so he's a Disney like his kid. early music was like Disney radio stuff or radio Disney, like stuff that would get played on there. It's like very like. I mean, he he came out when he, he came out. He was like, is he one of these like Jonas Brothers types? Sure, okay. sure. So uh, you know, it's funny because there are people who are saying that, and I don't know that I necessarily agree. Um, but I've heard people say that Sean Mendes is the heir apparent to John Mayer. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't I disagree with that because I don't think Sean Mendes is is a tenth of the guitar player that John Mayer is. But he is a better singer and probably a better pop songwriter. That's all it takes. Um, so from so from the perspective of if you're comparing like pop song to pop song, uh, Sean Mendes is is definitely I can see why you would say he's like the heir apparent to John Mayer as like the the next uh, uh, you know pop musician with a guitar kind of a thing. Um, but, uh, but the reality is, is he's kind of just a kid who comes up and he, and, but he does have like a lot of guitar on, on his songs. Okay. Um, he also has a lot of not guitar in his songs. You know? I mean, that's, he's a, he's a pop musician and he's 22. He's making the kind of music that you would expect a 22 year old kid with an electric guitar and sometimes an acoustic guitar to make. That's kind of good news though, that there's pop acts that have guitars, a somewhat central point of their music and yeah. are as are identifiable as guitar players to younger people and people coming up, you know, that's what, that's what all it takes to keep, you know, this instrument yeah. going think, in the public eye. I think your question of, if, is he more like a Jonas brother? I'd say he's more like a Jonas brother than he is John Mayer. Okay. <laughs> I think he may, I think maybe he has more, a little more artistic credibility than a Jonas brother, but I mean, at that point, you might be just splitting hairs. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the guitar. I still, don't, I mean, you described him, but I'd, I'd need to go listen to this to this guy. I don't. Uh, yeah, that should have that should have been our album choice. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really cool to me. This is the sort of thing that, like, I asked myself, did I build this? I don't remember building this, but it right. looks like it's got a vintage print of like a floral pattern on there that you get out of like. You know, like a an antique uh, botany book or something like that. Oh yeah, this looks like a freaking uh, or like a cookbook. It's like cookbook yeah. illustration style. Yeah, I feel like this looks like a uh, ceramic bowl. My parents ah yeah have. yeah, and then the one that like every parent had from the eighties. Some kind of wood pit guard on there. It's yeah, they're they call it a prairie grass graphic. It's you know a Mustang Music Master Duosonic style body. Uh, I'm assuming it's got a 24 inch scale neck or something like that. Uh, let's see. I, I have the specs here. So it is a 24 inch scale, nine and a half inch radius C shape, 22, uh, 22 fret neck. Pretty n all, all made. Sounds like the sort of thing I would enjoy playing. Uh, I think the yeah. humbucker in the neck is a little buck wild for me. That's not really my sort of thing. Um, yeah, it, but it's a player series. Um, Al Nico 2 humbucker um, and a Tex-Mex single coil. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So this is the same. Uh, I think this is the same humbucker that's in like the uh, H 
SS and HSH strats. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same as the one that's also... I don't think it's the same that's in the... Oh, no, it is the same one that's also in the player series Telecasters. Mm. And I think Jasmine... Like, it's it's in all the player series uh, humbucking... Does it say anything about what material the pit guard is made out of? It's made out of plastic. Okay, so it's like a it's like a wood printed plastic. Um, I think it's made out. I mean, they don't say anything about it. They just say that it is a, yeah, it's a three ply. They call it three ply prairie grass graphic. So I think it's just a three ply pit guard with a printed graphic. on gotcha. it. Gotcha. That's interesting. I, I, it's I, it's hard to tell from like the photos, but if you get like a good close up, that's it's it looks like it's wood, but it's like a, a pattern. Um, but but the pattern is actually it's it's grass. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But it's like like I said it's like a mid it's a very midwestern theme. Yeah, yeah. Uh someone mentioned that it looks like wallpaper. It looks like the wallpaper. Well, it reminds me of the wallpaper from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that you can lick. Like what what <laughs> and you can definitely play licks on this guitar, but what does it taste like? <laughs> Well, each of the each of the flowers is going to have a slightly different taste. Yeah, yeah. The problem with this guitar, if you played outdoors, you're just going to have bees all over you. Like you wouldn't be able to play this at church on Sunday, outdoor service, Easter service. You're just going to be covered in bees. It's so inconvenient. Um, so when this guitar was announced originally, just there was an announcement that this they were doing this. This is again, it's it's a foundation guitar, so it's kind of interesting because it's. Um, I guess the proceeds aren't, it's not like a normal signature model where, uh, they cut a deal. I mean, who knows what the actual details are, but the idea is that, um, Fender supports his charitable Sean Mendes, the Sean Mendes foundation. Um, and basically the way that they work, it seems like is, uh, they have a bunch of different organizations that they are partnered with. Um, and basically you, I don't know if you get to, when you donate, if you pick one of these foundations for your money to go to, um, or, uh, or like exactly how it works, but, but there's like a bunch of different things. So it's the idea is that his fan base, which are, are largely, um, uh, his fan base, I would probably say is largely, uh, young teen to mostly like young teen to 20 something women uh, probably go on his Instagram or whatever and see this. Oh, he's raising money for a foundation for his foundation. And then you click on that and you don't just learn about like his foundation, but you learn about a bunch of different charities mm. that uh, cover a very wide range of whatever, whatever. So yeah. Um, uh, so this guitar, a lot of people thought when it was announced, it was going to be like two, three grand. Well, okay. Let, let me. All right. How much is it? It's $750. That's not bad. Aren't, aren't the new, uh, offset, uh, that are this style. Aren't those like 600 bucks anyways? Um, I would, what's the closest to this? Probably the, uh, the player Mustang. Yeah, the player Mustang. The closest similar model is $600. 150 upcharge for really cool art and like a charitable sort of connection. Hopefully they're giving yeah. more than 150 bucks to the charity off of this. Hopefully Fender is cutting a deal there. Um, but even then 150 bucks, it's pretty decent uh, per yeah. purchase. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, charity things are like, Oh, we're going to give a, a portion of the proceeds to this, and you don't know, is it going to be 20% or is it going to be one twentieth of a percent? You know, it could be, right. it could be anything. Right. Uh, I'm sure they haven't said how much is going, but assuming, I mean, after customization that a decent chunk of that extra 150 bucks is going to go that way. Well, you, fi- you got to figure like, what is this really costing Fender to produce? Right? Like, if they're if the street is seven fifty, um, there's probably some of that markup, and it, it depends. I guess it depends on it. Are they doing proceeds? Are they doing a portion of proceeds? Or maybe they're matching but, if they are like just supporting the charity. Like they're like, oh, th- yeah. this is this what we're, we're going to give, and that'll be you know one of our write offs for the year. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Like I'm I'm kind of just skimming through, and it, it doesn't actually seem like 
it's specific that they are um, donating a certain amount or rather that they're just partnering with them to as an awareness thing like hey okay we we're gonna put do a bunch of ad fenders doing a bunch of advertising for the Sean Mendes foundation yeah and selling this guitar and the idea is just that that's gonna drive traffic I'm sure there's a, and then you know fenders just doing a straight up like you know however x amount donation regardless of how sure, many of these sure. guitars sell yeah i mean there, we don't know we don't know the specifics yeah. but i will the, say the, this is this is a cool looking guitar this falls under the category of signature custom guitars or signature run guitars limited run guitars like i don't care whose name is printed somewhere on it i like it yeah. for me i would play this i would for sure play it's on this. the back of the headstock no one has to know and no one has to know and even if they did know good for them Maybe yeah. they'll see me they'd um, see me playing it and be like, wow, Ryan's got one of those. I didn't know he was a fan. And I'm like, I've never heard that guy in my life. I just like the guitar. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, the more when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of gross. I'm, I'm still mixed on the pit guard. I do like the idea of this pickup, um, the pickup uh, combination. Um, somebody in the chat mentioned that this is like the classic uh, Fender uh, Telecaster Deluxe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tel, te, Telecaster Deluxe. Um, layout. Uh, it is a little smushed together, you know, because of the scaling. But um, I'm kind of interested in that aspect of it. Um, one of the things that was brought up that I thought was kind of interesting, and then I we did some more research, and we were talking about it before the show, is that this doesn't come with a bag. Um, uh, yeah, but I my my lead three that they sent me didn't come with a bag either. And isn't that like a, in a similar price point, like 700, 650, something like that. Yeah. So, so what I learned is from this actually is cause I would expect I'm of the mindset that I would expect a $750 guitar from Fender to come with like just the basic Fender gig bag mm -hmm. at least. And what I learned, uh, is that none of the player series guitars come with bags. Where did like you have to pay extra for them? How much extra? How, well, if you're buying it from Fender, you have to pay whatever the cost of the just the cost of a bag. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can't, I can't off. I mean, I, I can try to find one. I don't worry about it. Don't worry. So, about player it. Stratocaster is seven hundred bucks. You know what though? And it's a Fender. It's supposed to get relic. Why would they include a bag? You're, that's not part of the relicing kit, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, these even relic. It's probably poly. So poly. I mean that that finish that print. Depending on how much clear coat it's underneath, that might relic in a fun way. Yeah. This is the sort of thing where if I see this pop up in a pawn shop, if those exist in 30 years, I might be like, oh, I remember those. Oh, I, I'll get one of these. Maybe it'll be kind of beat up and relic at that point. You think anyone will play one of these hard enough to relic it? Or do you think most people buying it will be non-playing fans of that guy? Who are buying a, I don't a know. decoration and like uh, a signable I th I think, piece? I, I think I've been seeing people um, who are, you know, again, like the people who are complaining about it not coming with the bag are people who are like, okay, I bought this thing. How am I going to take this to the places I need to play? Right, right. Um, or how am I how am I supposed to store this in the closet for the rest of my life? It's so awkward without a bag. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, these are. The a Fender basic Fender gig bag is forty dollars. Ah, that's not terrible. It's an extra forty dollars. That's not terrible. Um, you want to do the next ad? Are we done? Are we I done feel done. This? Do you feel done? All right. Ne next week you pick a Shawn Mendes album for <laughs> I have to pick. He has multiple albums. Yeah, he's been around for like four years. Jeez. All right, this one was sent to us by... Just pick the newest one or the oldest one. Don't pick the middlest. No, I don't know. This one was sent to us by Josh Scottrick. Josh Scottrick? Yes, that's his fancy name that I just gave him. Oh. Uh, uh, this is a BC Rich Fat Bob 1989 custom Nagel graphic. Josh Scotterson. What's a, what's a... If we were to pretend that Josh Scott's last name was short for something, what would be... Um, a long version like of his Scott name. Scott Trick is is fun, but it sounds like a it sounds like a music video. Scott Tricks, <laughs> and then a kickflip. <laughs> Let's just guy call... right skateboarding while playing playing the trombone. Let's just start calling him Josh Scott, and start pretending that Josh Scott is is 
a rude boy. <laughs> uh, this is a 1989 brand new condition. One of a one of one USA BC Rich Fat Bob. Hit the make offer button and let me know what you would offer for it. I don't know, ten bucks, hundred bucks. <laughs> Just putting this out to see what offers I get. This is a base that was done in the USA in 1989. A little history: the Fat Bob design was used for a total of six guitars. Uh, why do they call this the Fat Bob? They should call this the Shark Fin, but that's neither. Well, it's, it looks like a, a motorcycle tank because it's got a mo- motorcycle tank cap on it. It's not a Shark Fin at all. Steve. Oh, now I see, I didn't see that. That uh, there we go. I don't okay. know if I've got a good shot. I don't have a good shot of the cap. Sorry. No, but I see the cap now. Yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. Um. Sorry, I'm trying to find my notes. Uh, this was the only base in the Fat Bob design. Uh, it has a really cool form uh, of a Nagel painting on it. Who's that guy? I, I also don't know what that means. But anyway, uh, as you can see, she is beautiful. A chance to own a new old stock made in the USA rare instrument that is 30 years old. Placing it uh, up to get a feel uh, of what it may bring in today's market. Not in any Russian news item. Give me your thoughts and feedback. If I see the right offer, it might become yours. Possible trades of guitars of the same value. Is this actually like, again, I don't know anything about this. The more I look at this painting, the less it makes sense to me. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll show you. Uh, Patrick Nagel is the artist that is famous for the Duran Duran art. Oh, okay. And that style of art that you see in nail salons and beauty parlors all over the world gotcha. uh, to this very day uh the, he did not do this art there's no way he did this art because it's just it's just the style i think the person doing it was trying to do that style and it's mostly in you know the eyebrows uh and kind of the nose and the the facial expression but so many details of the art are very far away of from that guy's style i would be shocked absolutely shocked if he was responsible for the art on this um and it was also signed by someone with a signature very different from oh. his own. Uh, you can see the signature right there. That's not how he signs stuff. Um, but, yeah, that, that a very iconic artist of the 80s. Right. That someone was trying to do like a county fair airbrush sort of take on. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much going on, you might not even notice that there is a nipple. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's why I don't understand because of the way the... I guess it's like a turned thing, but it just kind of looks like a, like the, like the left side of her body is normal. Yeah, yeah. And the right side is like not. It, it's like she's missing an arm almost. Yeah, the, the the posture of it is weird, and she looks completely twisted around in a really weird way. It's it's bad art. It's a, it's an interesting try at a style, but it's bad art. I almost wondered. If someone sketched it out to be more and more in the style of Patrick Nagel, but then someone else came in and like, ah, let's let's take this to the county fair and get them to airbrush some color into this. Because the, the sharp details are there in the line art, but right. then someone did airbrushy extra detail work on top of it that just makes it look cheap. I mean... We're completely missing the fact that this thing's shaped like a motorcycle gas tank. <laughs> and it's, they want $8,000 for it. I have no idea if that's a fair price or not for you know this rare model BC Rich. I'd never pay it. I'd never pay Is that. Is there any BC Rich that anybody would pay uh, $8,000 for, I think, is a bigger question. Well, they have those uh, very high-end, like, custom builds. Um that I believe are worth high dollar value, but I don't look at this and think that this is one of them. This is a, a novelty guitar. Yeah. With a nipple on it. <laughs> well, and, I think, and I think like the, the person saying that this is one of one, that's not a selling point. Right, right. Me. This is the only one. They made it and then they decided to never do it again. Like that's what's... That's what's going on here. <laughs> Matt uh, Mercury Blast TV commented, no one designs guitars like this. No one even tries. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, is, that, is that a reference? To I don't know, but it's true. No one tries because why would you is, is my take on that. And so they're saying like this was the only base in the series. I guess I'm now seeing um, 
I actually found on a site called uniqueguitar.blogspot.com an article from 2017 where they have a picture of this bass. So um, it says that this guitar may have been a product of Bernie Rico's love of motorcycles and motorcycle embellishments. So it sounds like this was like an act that that this at least the picture that they have they're all. Um, I mean, you um, take you take painted this way. You take this body shape, and you do uh, a high metal flake, like '70s van pinstriped funky candy paint finish on it. I'm in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's the art that really kills it for me. I mean, and the price. I mean, it is two thousand dollars off, down from ten thousand dollars. But, uh, right. but you do a motorcycle theme like that, and I'm into it. Um, well, I'm seeing like other ones. Like one of the guitars has like the classic biker flames. Right, right. You know the the flames that launched a million bowling shirts. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> things like that. So that's that's something that makes more sense to me. Um, I guess I don't, I don't associate, kind of like you said, like this as being something that you would want. Oh, pizza! I could see pizza. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, I I want this to be a shark fin. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it would but, be uh, an, an but yeah, then it would I be just, an ice I cube. I don't know, guitar, an ice cube. But apparently, but it looks like this may have been like the original artwork for this base. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and again, the problem is, is a supposedly. There were only um, like six total instruments made, so it's um, like unless you really love BC Rich, maybe it's the know. sort of thing like 1989 is the last year. There's a couple months left where people are still into Peter Nagel, and they're doing the art, and they're like, ah, this is kind of out of style now, and then they threw the uh, the color on top of it really quick. So that's the that's the other issue is. Um, from what I was reading, these were made from 1984 to 1986. Oh, so it's earlier so than I don't that. Even, so I don't even know if that 1989 date is accurate. I don't know if there was something in one of the pictures that would indicate that. Right, that right. Like maybe that on that signature there was a date. I don't know. Um, but at least on the brief uh, reading <laughs> that I did, I did not see Bot, Bot Rock oh, no, 47 the- says, if this thing had Optimus Prime on it, I'd find the money somehow. Oh my gosh! So it looks like the the art is whatever this signature is, and it says eighty nine on it. So I don't know if that means that the art was added in eighty. Like maybe this was manufactured in eighty six, and the art was added. Maybe like there's no, or that's the signature of the artist that applied the final amount of color, ruining it, and the <laughs> the chalk lines to the hair that look super tacky and awful. <laughs> that's just what women's hair looked like in the eighties. It was either that or like the. The um, uh, what's the hair I'm thinking of? Like just the mom, the curly mom hair, the perm. Oh, like the like the the kinky hair. The uh, I forget what that's called. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know, man. The, the, the crimp, I, the crimpy hair. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look like freaking crinkle cut fries. Yeah, the, uh, the the top ramen hair. Yeah, yeah. The the what's the the Janine hair from Ghostbusters? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm done talking about this. How do you feel about it? <laughs> I want to talk about our next topic. Me too. Let's uh let's talk uh, about that. This topic is uh this is our album review for the week. This is uh the Mars Volta, the Bedlam in Goliath. Yeah. This I think was their fourth album. Um. What's your? I picked this album. You sure I did. Enjoy. Um, I enjoy the Mars Volta. Um, so I picked this album. Also, this was suggested to us. Um, let me see if I can find who's. I, there's no way I'm going to find who suggested this to us. Yeah. Um, um, so, based on what you know about me, and knowing because I'm going to say it right now, I've never listened to oh, a Mars Ian, Volta Ian album. Ian Ferguson suggested this album. So thanks, nice. Ian. Uh, do you think? I liked it, or do you think I didn't like it? I think you didn't like it. Why do you think I didn't like it? Because I don't think you're down with Cedric's voice. I think the I think the opening the opening fault tweaked falsetto of the very first song. You went, oh god, 
I'm going to have to listen to another hour of this guy. I'm going to say right now, I very much enjoyed this. Really? Yes, I very much enjoyed this a lot to the point where I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I hadn't been such a stuck-up pain in the ass <laughs> in the early 2000s and given these guys a chance. I liked their – they did one-arm scissor, right? That was – so, so one arm scissor is at the drive-in, which was um, so basically. Which is what some, same guys, is, like same guys. Yeah. So, okay. um, so I forget what year it was, but it was basically uh, mid two thousands. The very short version, because I don't know all the chaos. Uh, but Cedric and Omar, uh, who are the lead singer and guitar player from At the Drive-In, and then the other guitar player basically parted ways on creative differences or who knows what. One of them, the other guitar player, singer, started the band um, Sparta, which is a more in the, a more normal version, I guess, of At The Drive-In. And then Cedric and Omar started the Mars Volta, which took like the chaos of At The Drive-In and turned it up to 11. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, One Arm Scissor was At The Drive-In, so it's the same guitar player, vocalist. And that was act- one of my notes on this uh, going into, I think... Uh, song three was oh vocal effects that's an at the drive-in thing that i'm like i'm used to from at the drive-in is there's videos of of at the drive-in performing one arm scissor where cedric has an entire vocal pedal board hooked up and he's just like smashing and it's all boss pedals yeah yeah uh i i get what you were saying as far as the vocals go but i also know that you have trouble understanding what i'm talking about when i'm saying that i can't stand Kind of like the emo vocal aesthetic, and I wasn't even thinking of it from that perspective. I was thinking of it e- even from like the Getty Lee okay. voice. Okay, uh, and th- there were there were moments when he was slipping into a, a you know early two thousands kind of vocal aesthetic, but he didn't go all the way into it. And what I was picking up more mm-hmm. from the, from this was almost like an MC five kind of. Uh, influence, you know, Ramblin' Rose, high pitch, yeah. MC5, uh, even you know the approach to the entire band and the feel of the band in general. Uh, I was picking up a lot of influ- influences. Let, let me read what I wrote down here. Um, where did it go? Mars Volta is like if the darkness and Ween had a baby, and it survived to start a band that had been influenced by the MC5 and Rage, and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I definitely I made raging and some machine notes on one of the songs. Did you read the Wikipedia for the this album at all? I did not. So before we get back to what more thoughts on this, uh, this was the Wikipedia for the conception of this album was on a trip to Jerusalem. Omar Rodriguez Lopez purchases an archaic Ouija type talking board as a gift for uh, Cedric. They would return to their tour bus after shows to play with it during their tour, the 2006 tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it became the band's post-show ritual, dubbed the Soothsayer, which is one of the tracks on the album. The board revealed stories, gave names, made demands, basically saying that this game that they found that became this ritual drove the writing of the song. Huh. Uh, and the more or of the album, and the more they interacted with it, the more weird stuff would happen. Their drummer quit mid-tour and left the band with financial problems. Cedric needed foot surgery after his, like, the shoes he'd been wearing, like, messed up his feet. And he had to, like, relearn how to walk. Uh, Audio tracks from the studio hard drives would just disappear. Uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez's home studio flooded, had multiple power outage. The original engineer had a nervous breakdown leaving behind all of the previous work with no notes to where anything was. I mean, to be and fair. When he quit, he told Omar Rodriguez Lopez, I'm not going to help you make this record. You're trying to do something very bad with this record. You're trying to make me crazy, and you're trying to make people crazy. I, I could, to be fair, like, I would not want to work on this record. Like, it is so manic, and it is so disjointed uh, that it would be very frustrating to do the technical side of it as far as engineering yeah. it but it's the right kind of crazy that i like i really really like just the overall feel 
man. of this. And it, I feel bad because there's someone on the Facebook group who saw that we were going to review this and like, oh, man, I don't, I'm not going to listen. I don't want to hear you guys trash something I like. Well, you just put like the <laughs> gift that was like. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I was hoping you they don't would... even know how bad it's going to get. Um, <laughs> but I've I, actually, I, I've I'm going to have to listen to more on this album. One, because it's like an hour and a, it's an hour and 18 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And so I needed if I started listening to this album like on Monday. And I finished it yesterday. Yeah. I'm sure uh, people who are more familiar with Zappa would probably make Zappa comparisons to this. I'm not super familiar, but right. uh, that, you know, my, my vague connect, like my vague recollections of Zappa were kind of firing when I was listening to this too. Yeah. Did you have any uh, particular songs of, uh- uh, you want to talk about? No. Uh, none of them really stuck out as like, oh, this is the one. This is the one that I've been waiting for. Yeah. It was just more like, man, I leave this on. I, I could work to this. It's it's engaging. It's interesting. It's never once boring. It never once yeah. made me cringe. It never once made me feel like, ah, uh, people liked this. No, I enjoyed it the, the entire way through. Uh, my takeaway is that this is too good to be from the time it came from <laughs> and i and like i said earlier i wish i had been more humble and given it a chance when i was young maybe it wasn't ready in the early 2000s i still i would have still rejected it maybe but i think when they came out there was a they were very much a part of um there was like a very weird hoity-toity uh hipster thing going on mm. and i think that part of that came from that breakup of at the drive-in where it was like oh if you're a normie you go listen to sparta uh and if you are uh if you're a hipster you go listen to the mars volta mm. okay and so there was like a natural like aversion to people being like oh you like the mars volta you must think you're so cool right you're way t- you're so cool you're too cool to listen to sparta like the rest of us normies Right, right. You have to go listen. You have to go be an artsy fartsy dude. I mean, to be fair, the the same people that we knew that were spending a lot of time talking about Mars Volta were also the same people who were, you know, into My Chemical Romance and Dashboard Confessional and all those other things. So th- that's how I judged it. As like, oh, they're they're talking about this. I'm not into it, you know. And so right. I I kind of just even though that was our social circle in the early 2000s, I kind of was trying to avoid as much as I could because what I was hearing, I didn't like, you know? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately I, I ignored a band that I probably should have been listening to. I've yeah. recently discovered. So, all right, this, uh, this part's going to be less interesting than I thought it was going to be then. Uh, but we have now reviewed three albums that I think at least a chunk of the population, would say are certified could could be described as prog rock albums. Uh, okay, Russia's twenty one twelve. Yeah, this is certainly proggy. Uh, Tools, whatever the hell that stupid album, Lateralis. <laughs> I would say not proggy. I don't think um, Tool is proggy enough. I think, you know, some people will, would want to argue that's proggy, and then now this album. Uh, so uh, one member gonna... of Tool is proggy, and the rest didn't get the note. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, if we, if we, we're going to rip a page out of a couple of different podcasts and, uh, uh, let's bang, Mary kill this thing. Prog rock style. Oh, those Rush, three albums. Tool, Mars Volta, or the, or the artists, either way, either way you want to go, you want to go album, you want to go artist. either way. I think, uh, this was more interesting when I thought you were going to hate the Mars Volta. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I certainly like the Mars Volta, this album much better than the other two options. Uh, kill, just completely kill Tool. Yeah, by Tool, uh, and that leaves Bang Rush as you know an overnight one night stand sort of trist sort of thing. Like I'll I'll mess around with with Rush every now and then. Sure, why not? Uh, but Mars Volta, I feel like I could commit. I could commit to a longer term relationship to listening to this. If this is, you know, yeah. the same thing that they do across their, uh, you know, the rest of their music. So. And that's why when you started your, your take on the Mars Volta, I was like, this game just got a lot less interesting yeah. because that's exactly what, 
my choice. I, I finished listening to this album yesterday, and then I just put Mars Volta on shuffle for my for my fifteen minute drive home, which means I listened to like one and a half songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to do housekeeping, and then we'll uh, hit the last thing and get out yeah. of here? Well, we're um, gonna hang out. We've so got this- uh, we've got some uh, at least one person waiting in the waiting room to hang out with us. Sure. Uh, let's do some housekeeping this week. Um, big shout out to Joseph who joins us at the $25 level. So, uh, find one of us on uh, Facebook and be like, Hey, I'm Joseph and we'll get you in the inner circle group. Um, thanks for supporting. If you want to support the show, whether or not it's at the $1 level, let me back that up. If you want to financially support the show, whether it's at the $1 or the $25 level, um, or the $420 level, (laughs) I've still got nine. I've still got eight of those. Um, Head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast. Uh, another way you can support the show is we, at the end of the audio version we of the, the show, we play a song and we're almost out of music. So if you want to send us just a single track, you can send us a Google Drive or the easiest way is just to attach an MP3 to an email. Uh, send that to us uh, at 60 cycle humcast at gmail.com. Either way, uh, thanks everyone who supports the show financially by coming in the chat on a Saturday afternoon, whatever you do. Um, And yeah, that's it. Let's hit this last ad. All right. Sent to us by Kyle Smith. This is a uh, heavy metal mandolin. (laughs) I hadn't heard it said out loud yet. You can't say heavy metal mandolin and not have a smile on your face. (laughs) Dear, this is this real? Yeah, this. Well, I couldn't find uh, any other photos of it online, but it seems to be a press release to um, to retailers from Fender and uh, various documents uh, showing kind of the the uh, the patent and whatnot for a heavy metal mandolin from Fender. Uh, yeah. It is the shape that Fender has used for their electric mandolin since. The 50s, I think. I which, think. which I don't think I ever realized how that th- how this shape is basically the uh, uh, music master um, or music man. Uh, yeah, kind of is shape. It kind of is. Is it the axis that I'm thinking of? You stretch it out a little bit longer, and it yeah, it turns into the axis. Yeah. So uh, Fender, why aren't you suing? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the I'm not going to read the full description. It's basically, uh, for, or I'm not going to read the Fender letter. Right, right. Uh, I will read the heavy metal mandolin is in a sense a paradox, as you cannot think of a more opposite sounds than those of loud, distorted heavy metal music and the gentle lyrical ones created by the mandolin, an instrument which has been around for hundreds of years as part of the lute family. Uh, but the result is a new revolutionary, fully patented instrument, which can only be viewed as the violin string synth of the 21st century. The totally heavy metal guitar style allowed maestro Alex Gregory to perform previously unplayable violin parts and more on his forthcoming debut album, Paganini's Last Stand, which has a Priority Rocks Records February 1992 release. That's a lot of words that someone sat down and wrote. One day. <laughs> oh, man. The, the, the thing about this that is, it sounds like someone was trying to, like, coax violin sounds out of this. So maybe they were using a bow or something, which I guess makes sense. But the, the thought of having a trim on a mandolin is bonkers to me because I can't think of a single stringed instrument with less sustain. Like, you, you get you get a fraction of a second of sustain out of a mandolin, you don't have a lot of time to do dive bombs and little vibrato things and whatnot. I really wish I could have found a better photo of this thing. I'm, I'm sure only a couple exist. So the, here's the thing is it's because it's Pog- Paganini. Like think about, um, I don't know who about, that is. Do you know who Paganini is? He, yeah. He's a violin like, um, uh, He's like a violin virtuoso. Um, so it, Flight of the Bumblebee is Rimsky Korsakov. I had to look it up. But think about like that kind of violin style. 
So were they like, saying that this is for that guy or is it this is to allow this guy to play violin parts on a mandolin. So I don't like he's not playing a man like this with a bow. The point isn't sustained, the point is speed. I think this the point might be scale length. Cuz it's going to be a similar scale length to a violin, so it's going to be similar tuning. And so Oh man, that's it's such a such an odd concept from the description there. Let's just talk about it. The fact that it's a mandolin. I don't know. <laughs> Fender's made electric mandolins since the at least the the early '60s, maybe the '50s. It was like a you know folk music was a huge thing, um, bigger than people realize now. But man, I don't know. I don't know. What what's your take on it? I'm trying to see if I can find a video of this guy playing it. That would be wild. Um, because apparently, like, it looks like he's actually done a bunch of work with, uh, or he's done some other work with, like, Fender. He's got a, a Les Paul tenor blaster. Mm. It's a, t- a tenor Les Paul. Um, but list, I found, I actually found the album itself. Um, it's interesting to me, to me that the yeah. patent art doesn't have the Fender headstock on it. I wonder what the thinking is there. Yeah, I don't know. Is it is the thinking like, oh, we're patent? We, we already have a patent on our headstock. Uh, let's make it clear that that's not the patent. The patent is the other details of this. Right. If only we knew patent lawyers who could. I mean, we do, but we don't pull them on the show. <laughs> right, because we're not a bunch of hacks. Right, that's what hacks do. That's why we don't do it. <laughs> no um like i said i i think paganini's really known for like very fast it's virtuoso violin it's right not, right it's not you know it's not this long it's not thing. it's like high speed right right well i don't uh, think he was bowing this thing i don't think he was playing it as a boat instrument he was he had to be picking at it you know because he can't just bow a mandolin it's got a, right, that's the, what I'm saying. The radius like, is too flat. The, the idea for this is to create a mandolin that has the features of like a su- it's a, it's like a super strap for vi- uh, for mandolin to allow a mandolin player to play it play at the speed that you could play a violin. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's that's like what the impression I get from it. Well, I wish we could see a real photo of it other than, you know, this grainy black and white thing. I have yeah. a feeling it's pretty cool looking. Uh, I was talking episodes and episodes ago that I wanted to see a cigar box style half uh, Fender trim. Apparently they exist. And apparently they existed back then because this thing has one of them. Um, so there's that. I don't know. You have anything, any closing statements for this before we get out of here and you talk about the song and then we hang out with people? Yeah, my closing statements are there are some really like... There's a there's apparently a Gibson heavy metal uh, mandolin prototype from also from '92. There's video, excuse me. There's video of of this guy Alex Gregory playing it. It's a really old grainy video, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this guy was a like kind of a wacky guitar. Well, I guess wacky is not the right word. It's just like, um, like he developed developed systems, I guess. Sure. And to like play guitar faster, <laughs> to like simplify guitar. I you know, um, I'm not able to find any pictures of this specific this you know the Fender version, but there's other. There's just other pictures of of just some weird, like he had like a. The, and when we're done, or maybe I'll, I'll, you know, if I remember, I'll throw it into the thing. But I found an article uh, that is a, has a picture of the Gibson version of this that's on an Explorer body. You just sent me a link. I'll look at it. Yeah, or I guess they're saying that this was uh, based on the Futura body, which is like an extreme right, version. Right. Oh wow, that's wild! Of the, of the uh, 
So yeah, it's just it's nuts. It's nuts. I don't know. There it is. There it is. Yeah. So All right. Weird. Why not tell us about the yeah, song? So- get us out of here, and we'll hang out until one twenty ish, one thirty ish. Yep. Um, so this song is was sent by Miles Page. He says, "So hey guys, so you're running low on outro music, but are you desperate for outro music? Uh, yes, we are always. If so, please find attached my quarantine anthem, self isolation vacation." The whole thing is a pink Charvel DK24 to a HX effects into a Roland Jazz Course 40. The bass is a Squire PJ. Vocals are from my diaphragm mostly. Drums are drums and go bing, bang, pong. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of love from the UK, Miles. So uh, if you are listening to the audio version, here is Self Isolation Vacation. Hope you guys love it. All right. And uh, stay grounded. Stay grounded. I'm <laughs> 